Lord, your word is rich. And there is, there is so much here. So bless us now, please, as we unpack John's message to his readers. Open our ears, open our hearts. Oh, give us understanding, Lord. And may we walk out of this room different than when we came in. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the light of your word. Speak to us today, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so last week, this is, this is 12 verses. Uh, last week, I uh, entitled the message, No Doubt, uh, because John, in the first four verses of his letter, gives eyewitness testimony to the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ. He is who he said he is. John says, I saw him, I heard him, I handled him even. After he rose from the dead. He's real. And he is who he claimed to be, the son of God. I also shared last week the uh, purpose for the letter that we may have fellowship with John and other believers, that we may be filled with joy, we may not sin, we may know that we have eternal life, and that we may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now my goal last week was to get through the first four verses. We got through half. So, uh, my goal is to get through verse 2 in chapter 2. So we need to simply jump in. I'm going to come back to verse 3 a little later. So I want to start in verse 4. These things write we unto you, John says, so that your joy may be full. In the Bible you're looking at, do those words appear? Our joy. Yes. The King James Version uses your joy so that your joy may be full or complete. But the ESV and many others, the NIV, and and many have in the margin that in other manuscripts uh, it may be the word your, but they choose to use our. I like our joy. Because when it comes to someone making a decision for Jesus Christ, when it comes to someone walking forward and saying, I want to be a Christian, and walking them through the Romans road and praying with them and seeing them grow, there is joy 
not just in that life, but in all of us. Am I right? Don't we all have joy when we see someone who comes to ask for a baptism? Don't we rejoice with him? So that our joy includes the person who is coming and all of us here. In verse 5, John says this. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. I'm going to stop there for a minute. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. Look at John 15. These are the words of Jesus here. Jesus said in John 15 to his disciples, All things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So what what John received from Jesus Christ... Jesus received from God the Father. It was passed down from God to Jesus to John, who then passes it on to the reader, which includes you and me. John says, I want you, Grace Church, to hear this message that Jesus passed on to me, that God the Father passed on to him. So, What is that message? God is light. Notice this. Light is not what God does. It is who he is. God is light. It is his very nature. It references holiness. God is perfect. He is perfectly and three times holy. He is a holy, holy, holy God, and you can count on that. This is the message that I heard from Christ. I'm sharing unto you that God is light. Oh, And in him is no darkness at all. I like this phrase or clause here. I like this clause. In him is no darkness at all. There is a repetitive negative in this sentence that is the strongest expression John can use to get the point across that God is perfect. If you were to... Uh, translate this verse from the Greek, you could perhaps do it this way. There is no darkness in him, none. None! Exclamation point. And John's purpose is here is to lay down a foundation for the reader in regard to everything else he's going to say in these next six verses. God is light, means God is holy. He is perfectly holy. As a result of that, do not sin. Look back for me, please. You're in 1 John. So you're on page 1021 if you're in the, in the Bible. 
under the seat in front of you. I want you to go left one page. You go back one page, you're in 2 Peter. You go back one, page, one more page, you're in 1 John. You go back one more page, you should be where you need to be. Pardon me, did I say 1 John? I meant 1 Peter, okay? Let me start again. <laughs> go back one page, 2 Peter. One more page, 1 Peter. One more page, you should be where you need to be. I need to go back a couple more pages to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 15 says this, But as he that is God who hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That word conversation is behavior or conduct. Be holy in all manner of conduct because it is written, be ye holy for I, God, am holy. That is the expectation we are called to follow. Good luck with that. But let's talk about that because these next six verses contain six conditional statements. A conditional statement is an if-then sentence. If this is true, then this is sure to be the result. If, if this is true, then this is sure to be the result. Six conditional statements, starting in verse 6 of chapter 1. Go back to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, says this. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we say that we have fellowship with God, yet we walk in darkness ten times, John uses that term for darkness referring to sin. If we are walking in sin, yet say we have fellowship with God, you're a liar. If what I say does not match what I do, the Bible is clear. It's a lie. In the world of law enforcement, your integrity is everything. It is everything. If you enter false information in a report, if you lie in an interview, you will lose your job. They cannot use you anymore. It's called Brady material. There's a Supreme Court case, Brady is the title. And uh, it's all about police officers who lied and they're unusable anymore. They cannot testify in court because it's going to come out that they lied in the past. If you, lie, if you do something wrong, and police officers, most police officers are going to do something wrong when they're doing their job, not on purpose, just something's happened. They're going to get in trouble. It's going to happen. 
But getting in trouble is not the same as losing your job. You might get your hand slapped, but if you lie about it, you're going to get fired. So simply tell the truth. If you get suspended for a couple days, okay. You can live with that. You cannot live with lying. In the world of law enforcement, integrity means everything. It's the same in the ministry. It's the same for the Christian, the Christian who loses his integrity. The world has no respect for that anymore. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm walking in darkness. I'm walking in sin. It's a lie. And we do not the truth. Since God is light, a Christian cannot truly claim adequate fellowship with God while living in darkness. Look what John chapter 3 says, verse 20. For everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Look at verse 7. The second if-then statement. But if we walk in the light, here's the contrast to verse 6. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me talk about that phrase, fellowship with one another, first. Because you can debate whether that means there's fellowship among Christians. If we walk in the light, then Christians have fellowship one with another. I don't think that's right here. Look back at verse 3. Look at verse 3. This is what John writes. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us, yeah, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's me and God. I have fellowship now with God. And he has fellowship with me. Walking in the light is walking with the Lord and being obedient to his word. But in order to be obedient to his word, I must know his word. In order to know his word, I must read his word and meditate on his word. God is light. And it's our responsibility as Christians to walk in his light. The requirement for fellowship with God is to let the light reveal right and wrong our deeds and then to respond to that light continually. Ephesians 5.8 says this, Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Okay, so, anyone who preaches on the stage, anyone who stands here for a testimony, anyone who speaks to you from this stage, 
has to pay attention to two things no matter what. There's more. I, I need to pay attention to this thing, and I don't do a real good job often. I try. I have to pay attention to my notes. By God's grace, we get through that. There's two things I have to pay attention to that you count on my paying attention to. One is the time. <laughs> I must constantly be looking at what time it is. How am I doing on time? Did I hear an amen? <laughs> the other is the light. My wife constantly rides me about the light. Honey, you stepped out of the light. I couldn't see you. You had a shadow on your face the entire time. That was early on when I didn't pay attention to these lights at all because I thought the lights were in a place where they're going to catch me. Apparently, I'm too tall, and because I had the table back a little more, I was kind of in the shade. That drove my wife crazy. So when I'm here... When I speak, I have to constantly be looking at these lights. There are two in particular. This one that shines directly in my face, and this one which shines directly in my face. I'm constantly looking at these two especially. That's why I often stand here, because I want to make sure you see me. Now, you know what the problem with that is? You see every flaw. You... I get excited, I start spitting. You see spit flying out of my mouth. You're not going to see it if I'm hidden back in the shadows. You don't see that. I could be tearing a hole in the rug, spitting all over the place. Steve and Chriselle wouldn't appreciate that with their guitars here. But you wouldn't notice that. You wouldn't. I get up here in the light. Man, that, that light's probably shining hair all You see that hair out of place on Steve's head? You see bags in my eyes. You, you're seeing every flaw, the spot of my tie. That's, hey, I'll take that. Hear me, hear me, hear me, please. We want to walk in the light. Not just when I'm on the stage, but when I'm outside of these walls. I want to walk in God's Light, because that light exposes my sin, and I can deal with it right then. I can deal with it immediately. When I have fellowship with God, and He has fellowship with me, I'm sensitive to sin. Yeah, look, I'm not going to be perfect. He is perfect. Praise God. There's not a speck, not not one bit of sin or error or untruthfulness in God. He is perfect. You're not going to get that from me. But God exposed those things that I need to deal with now. He promises to cleanse. The blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Walk in the light as you even leave this room. We need to be in his word. We need to be sensitive to his word. We need to be meditating on his word throughout the day. And walking with him. He'll reveal those areas that we need to deal with right away. So we can maintain that fellowship constantly. When I'm back in the shadows and out of fellowship, 
That's when I'm hiding things. I don't want that. If you're a child of God, you don't want that. I need to move on. Uh, Let's see. When we walk in the light, our sin is exposed. As a result, we can confess it. We'll get there in verse 9 and be cleansed. So in verses 8, 9, and 10, we're talking about confession of sin. The third if-then statement, 1 John 1, 8, says this, if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Skip down to verse 10 for a second. Look at verse 10. Verse 8 said, if we If we say that we have no sin, verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This sounds so repetitive, doesn't it? So either John is trying to to, to really drive home a point, or he's talking about two different things. It's the latter. In verse 8, he's talking about our sin nature. If you say, that you have no sin nature. The truth is not in you. You're deceiving yourself because that's the starting point. The Bible says, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. If we never admit to being a sinner, We're deceiving ourselves and salvation can never happen because that's the starting point. That's when I realize I need a savior. I can't get to heaven on my own. This is the starting point here. We say we have no sin. We deceive ourselves. Now I'm going to use a little bit of liberty here. It says the truth is not in us. This isn't exactly what he means, but I'm going here anyway. John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, the truth, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The truth is not in us. Jesus Christ is not in you. If you cannot uh, accept the fact and acknowledge the fact and confess the fact that you have a sin nature that separates you from God, Jesus Christ is not in you and will not be in you. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. That's the victory for the Christian. We need to get there to that point. For anyone to be saved, you must first realize his need for a Savior due to his own sinfulness. Verse 9, we are moving along. Verse You know this verse. Oh, you know this verse. Verse 8 talked about the sin nature. Verses 9 and 10 are actually talking about specific acts of sin that you do. If we confess our sins, these individual acts, these specific acts, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In light of verse 8, Christians should be ready at all times to acknowledge any failure which God's light may expose to them and make a change. It doesn't mean I acknowledge the failure and keep living like I'm living. Confession is, is to say the same thing about sin that God does. It's wretched 
It's awful. So turn from it. He says, if we confess our sins, and again, I want to be walking in that light and be so sensitive to sin that I confess it immediately. I don't want to get to the end of the day and say, Lord, I, I'm sure I sinned today. Uh, and I just throw it out in a, a lump. Forgive my sins. I want to be so sensitive to sin that I stop and confess it immediately. Lord, I, that thought, that thought, forgive me. Forgive me for that thought. Forgive me for what I've just done. I want to be that sensitive to sin. And the Bible says he is faithful. He's faithful to his promises. If you confess your sin, he will forgive you. It's forgiven. Oh, but he's just as well. You know what that means? It means like society. If there is a crime, society demands its pound of flesh. Right? Society demands a punishment. That's why there are police. That's why there are prosecutors. To get that pound of flesh. God is just. Because that pound of flesh was paid in the life of Jesus Christ on the cross. So we can be sure that we can be forgiven if we confess our sins. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, again, this is individual sins, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Oh, hey, can I go back just a moment? Don't you dare use chapter 1, verse 9 and take advantage of it to sin. I know people, I know Christians, professing Christians, who have said, God will forgive me. He has to forgive me. He promises it in 1 John 1, 9. So I'll sin, I'll confess it, he'll forgive it, because he promised he would. Don't you dare. Why? Because look, two verses later, Verse 1, chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. Do not sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid that. No. Verse 10. Fifth, if then, statement. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his Word is not in us. We make God a liar if we say we have not sinned. How do I know that's true? Because everywhere in this book, God says man is a sinner in need of a savior. You want to see some of them? 1 Kings 8.46, there is no man that sinneth not. Psalm 14.3, there is none that doeth good. No, not one. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Ecclesiastes 7.20. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Isaiah 53.6. All have sinned. 
Romans 3.23. If we say we've not sinned, we're calling God a liar because he says in his word that we have sinned. Last, number six in the list of if-then conditional statements. The first is, hey, I just want to remind you of the purpose. Then secondly, and if any man sin, if any man sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Oh, verse 2, and he is the propitiation for our sins. That is, he is the satisfaction for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. If there are any defense attorneys in here, I'm not trying to blaspheme you at all. Please understand that right up front. I know this about defense attorneys. Not because I've had to use one. I just happen to work with many, usually on the other side of the wall. This is what I know about defense attorneys. They're really expensive. Defense attorneys are not cheap. John says, Jesus is your defense attorney. When Satan goes before the Lord and tries to accuse you before God the Father, Jesus is the one arguing for your defense. He is your advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Here's the thing. Defense attorneys are expensive. Jesus paid the cost. He's not doing pro bono work. He paid it as well with his life. That is the satisfaction. He's not the payer for your sins. He's the payment. His life is the payment for your sin. He's not the satisfier. He is the satisfaction. What better way, what better way to head into the Lord's Supper. Pardon me. See, I told you I'm not good at this. Advocate, satisfaction. Lord's Supper. What better way to enter into the Lord's Supper than to remember that he is your satisfaction. He paid it all. Let's bow our heads and just for a few moments, let's be silent before the Lord. Examine yourselves, examine your own heart before the Lord right now. If there's any unconfessed sin, deal with it right now. Lord, thank you 
thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. Thank you for his broken body. Lord, we, we partake of the bread in remembrance of what you did for us on the cross as our payment. You satisfied my sin debt and then argue on my behalf before the Lord. Thank you for your shed blood. Oh, thank you, God. We remember this morning. So bless the bread, bless the cup, bless these few moments as we partake in Jesus' name. Amen.